Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Don't Miss This. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. So glad y'all are here with us. Today we are doing Acts, and especially if you're new or if you're old. Welcome if you're new. And let us apologize again for last week. Everyone, this is a big celebration. We are going to try and be less than 30 minutes today. Did you start the timer? No, but (laughs) we're going to be. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, sorry it was so long last week, um, but couldn't help it. It was too good. Today is Acts 16 through 21. Now, something that's really helpful in this time period is maybe to explain this. So the book of Acts is kind of covers from about chapter 14-ish, the ministry of Paul and all of his missions. If you look in your Bible back, the, the maps, you'll see maps that show like Paul's different journey. So he takes three different really long missions, pops into all these different cities as he goes through. Meanwhile, he's writing the letters to cities he's already been to, like when he's been to Corinth, so he writes the letter to the Corinthians. So all the letters that come after the book of Acts, all are like interspersed yes. um, throughout here mm-hmm. also. So just to give you an idea of how the second half of the New Testament is set up, Acts is like the story, and then the letters are letters he yeah. wrote and as it, he it was goes, on his mission. It missions. would go in this order. Thessalonians, then Corinthians, Galatians, and Romans. Then Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians, Philemon, um, Hebrews is towards the end, and um, with Titus and First and Second Timothy. Yeah. So that so, would be the order, and it's all happening intermixed during yeah. these missionary journals. So those maps will be super cool to show, like, oh my goodness, look how many, and then you'll see little hints as you read along. He was in this city for two years, and this city for eighteen months. So mm-hmm. these are really long journeys. Um, that we're just picking a couple stories out of. So next time's lesson is sort of kind of the end of mm-hmm. that. This is really the big bulk of a lot of the the missions and the in the you know I guess that's the right word the mission mm-hmm. mission trips <laughs> of Paul. So um, we want to start when he actually stops in Athens at a place called Mars Hill. That's where we want to start. And this is Acts chapter seventeen. So if you want to go there. Um, Verse 23. Yeah, starting about there. So what's interesting, uh, if you look at actually 21, it kind of tells you, for all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time and nothing else, but either to tell or to hear some new thing. So Athens was kind of known as an intellectual center of the world back then. Um, And people would gather in these forums and just like philosophers and And thinkers and writers would all kind of bring up what they thought about life, what they thought about the gods, what they thought about the purpose of the world. And they just loved and soaked up new people coming in to present. I mean, this is just the hub of, this is like the TED Talks center of (laughs) the ancient world, right? Everybody just wants to give their their speeches. Mm -hmm. And Paul comes and he comes to this hill called Mars Hill. And it's right near the... uh, um, the Parthenon, isn't that what that's called? On the top of the Acropolis there in, in Athens. Like it's really close to it. And he comes and he says, you know, I couldn't notice um, as, as I was passing by. He actually compliments him first in 22. It says in the King James, you're too superstitious. Um, but 
if you look in the Greek, it says it's you're very religious and careful and divine things. And I love that Paul mm-hmm. like sees has some holy envy for the way that they worship and think and talk about yeah. these types of things. Like he's going to tell him in just a second, I think you're wrong, but I love how passionate you are about it. I love how like into so these good. things you are. Cause he said, I couldn't notice, but see that I passed by a little altar there was an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. So somewhere on that hill was that inscription. And Paul kind of comes at the end of verse 23 and he says, Whom therefore you ignorantly worship, this unknown God, I'm going to declare him unto you. Or in other words, can I introduce you to the God that I know? Um, and so for the next several verses, he's just going to share with them what he knows about God. I just love that idea of like, can I, can I introduce you to God? I've always thought that that's such a great line for what a missionary is. A missionary is somebody who takes, I think it was at the front of Clayton Christensen's book, where he says a missionary is someone who takes somebody else by the hand and introduces them to Jesus. Hmm. Such a neat description. And so we left a little box here, and this might be a great activity as a group or a family to say like, what's your favorite line from what he says? Um, how he describes who me his God yeah. is, which you just love. And especially because their gods were generally made out of wood or um, gold or something that was unfeeling, unmoving, unable to talk. It, it just was solid. It just stayed there. And he's going to start talking about this God who just wants to be so present in your life, who actually wants to have a relationship. It was so foreign. Yeah. The way that the Greek gods and Roman gods were worshipped is, I just keep you happy, and then you don't bother my life. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is a God who's very, very different. Is he will not live on up, up away. He is going to be here moving, you know, in our stories. Yeah. So let me give this suggestion actually first, and then we're both going to share our favorite line uh, from that group. Um, this is a great place, starting in the Book of Acts and all the way through the rest of the New Testament to start looking at other translations of the Bible besides the King James Version of the translation. Um, uh, I can't remember what my grammar was. And that's the very problem. It's like sometimes the King James translation is difficult to understand what's actually being said. So if you open up another translation of it, it helps you to kind of, and you just get different words. Well, and let's explain a little bit why. You might have a different translation. So um, when we went on our trip to Israel just barely, we had a, tour guide and I was talking to him we kind of got to know each other as we traveled and one day I said to him I really one of the things on my bucket list is to learn Hebrew I really want to and he had gotten to know me by then and so he said to me actually you really do want to learn Hebrew but he said I don't think you know why you want to learn Hebrew and so I was like okay why do you think I want to learn Hebrew and so he said this in America you generally just have one word and it means one thing. So when you see it, you're like, oh, I know what that means. And it just means one thing. In Hebrew. And in Greek, which is the New Testament, yep, they're both like that. You see a word and there are 20 other words you could have used in place of that word. So he said, when you read a verse of scripture, you read words and you maybe think of one word that would be similar or a one line definition. But he said, when I read a verse, I can think of 20 words for every word. And um, when you get into a translation, you just have to hope the person who was translating this picked the best word, right? That's We just have confidence in that. 
So when you start adding in the ESV, for example, um, really relies heavily on the Greek translation of words. Um, it's going to bring in the Greek meaning. Um, that's the um, ESV is one that Latter-day Saints really enjoy reading because we've got a lot of the Greek translation down here in our footnotes and we're used to seeing the Greek translation. Um, but the ESV is really good at that. The NIV is one that can make things easier to understand. Um, I have a lot of friends who are professors uh, at BYU and at the University of Utah. Some of them say they use up to nine different translations when they are studying um, to teach a class. And if you go back in the last several general conferences, you will notice a couple of the apostles have actually pulled um, scriptures that they have shared with us at general conference out of other translations. Yeah. So it's just a place that is going to give you more insight um, or more instruction for one word. That's what you're looking for is what, what would be another word choice here, depending on if they were coming from Aramaic or if they were coming from Greek or if they were coming from Hebrew, which way did the translator lean is going to be what's written in here. And so if you get a bunch of different ones, um, that's just going to expand what you understand about that verse. Yeah, and, and it really, like, all these just help you come to an understanding and a feeling of what was being said. Remember, none of them spoke English. So none of these words in the King James Version were spoken at the time. So it's like, what was the feeling yeah. of it? And we will put our favorite translations of the Bible um, into the newsletter so okay. that you can have those. Okay, now we're going to say what our favorite, our favorite verse lines are. Yep. Uh, mine is yeah, okay. mine's 27. I love it so much that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. And I love that he is teaching those people. I can actually feel my God. I can seek after him and I recognize that he is close with me wherever I am. He's not a God that just sits on a shelf somewhere, but he's actually participating in my life. I love the thought of that God. Yeah, and mine is verse 26. Um, two parts of it. One where he says, he made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth. I just love that there's an emphasis there. It's, my God is the father of all people and all nations in this world. And he says, and he's determined the times before appointed and the bounds of where they live. Like what places he's going to send people at what times and who's going to live near them and what the culture of the world's going to be that he is just moving and working and through. orchestrating. Yeah, through so all good. all of that. One big mm -hmm. family. Yeah. You know. So the anyway, so take that group of verses and maybe with another translation of this one and find your favorite line, your favorite phrase and what 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 you know about God. Yeah. This is the unknown God. And Paul is coming in and saying, let me introduce you to the God I know. What would so what would you say? And then what happens is we are going to go through in this um, part. There's a lot of missionary experiences that are happening that we get to find out about. And we meet a whole bunch of people that have one thing in common, which is they are going to hold back nothing. Once they come to know this God um, that Paul and Peter and all of these men are teaching about, what tends to happen is they just give their whole heart, soul, and mind to that God and we are going to watch that happen over and over again. So I want to take you to Acts 16. And we really just picked out some of our, yeah, favorite, our favorite stories from this. In case you didn't want us to go for 45 minutes again this week. So we just picked a few. Um, one of the first ones that I love is a woman named Lydia. We meet her in Acts chapter 16 in verse 13 is where I'm going to start. Um, 
it tells us this on the Sabbath, they went out of the city and they went to a riverside. And it was, I love this. It was a river where prayer um, was usually made. It's just a, a river where people gathered to pray. And I love the thought of that. And they sat down and the people who they chose to sat by was just this group of women. So I just want you to think on the Sabbath day that these women had come, they'd come to the river. They knew it was the river where everyone came to pray. They were just sitting there praying. And here come these men and they sit down and they just sit by these women and they start talking. And there was a certain woman there named Lydia. And it tells us she was a seller of purple and um, the city she came from. And it was a city that worshiped God. And if you wonder what a seller of purple is, um, one of the businesses that was most profitable in that time period was to make dye. And purple was one of the most expensive dyes that you could make. And so Lydia, probably that was her business, is she was able to, to pull from these plants and she made this dye and that made her a seller of purple. And um, it, it tells us her, the Lord opened her heart and so she started listening to the things that Paul wanted to teach her right there by the river. And she loved those things so much that she decided to get baptized. And I love in verse 15 when it tells us, and her whole household. That is what kind of influence Lydia had. That is the type of person that she was, that she just, um, not just she was affected by what Paul said when he came, but her entire household was affected and they were all baptized. And then she said to them, if, if you have judged us, me to be faithful to the Lord, then come into my house and abide there. And her home immediately became a place where um, the apostles were welcomed in. Um, and I think to myself, as I think about this story, I want to be like Lydia. I want to be a woman who on the Sabbath day takes time to just pray and reflect. And But I also want to be a woman who follows the words of an apostle and not just listens to them, but actually brings those words into my home and, and lets them bless my household. That is the type of woman I want to be. I love Lydia so much. And something that a gift that Emily has um, is another one that Lydia has, which is that gift of hospitality. I just love that it says that, that last verse, she says, and, and she constrained us. Mm -hmm. um, meaning like, she's like, I will not take no for an answer. You have to come and be in my home. Let me take care of you. Let me look after you. It's just, I love that idea of it just being a, a gathering, yeah, you know, place. a gathering place. Yep, and people could just come and abide in that place. It was just visitors welcome all yeah. the time. Except, do you want to know this? What I think about that visitors welcome? Let, no, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> Listen, know you do. I have a new. Welcome. I know I have a new suggestion. Okay. I want all of our church signs to now say guests welcome, oh. instead of visitors, because I like want when somebody comes to our buildings or to our homes or wherever. I want someone to feel treated as a guest, like you know, you're not just a visitor here. You are welcomed here. We're going to give you the best seat here. So. Um, this might cost a lot of money, um, but I'm going to write President Nelson and say, can we please change our sign to say guests welcome? Okay. You know, don't you or, want... Or just when you see it, you can just think that. When it means visitor. Yeah. I just want to say guests. And okay. should we have a doormat that says welcome. welcome and bells? Okay. I ask three things only, you know? Okay. Uh, this the is next... why he'll never be in church. <laughs> in, I mean, in charge of the churches. What? That's that would be so church. awesome. It would make it so much better if there were doormats. Bells and, bells and on the said, top and, and, and they every rang every hour. Okay. And never mind. Oh. I have a fourth suggestion, but I'll leave it for another Wait, day. Okay. Everyone wants to know now. Oh, okay. 
I want our churches to be, I was talking to my uncle about this the other day. I want our churches to be open all day long. I know you'd have to pay someone to do it, but you know when you go you to Europe. Tours? No, I don't want to give someone a tour. They're not that interesting. Um, when you when you go to Europe, like they're just open all day so long. And you can go and in and pray in the chapel. To. And Listen, just here's what's open for you all day long. The temple. Yes. I know. And it's open for everyone. That is Remember, true, but, right but do you love that my right. church is in my neighborhood? I just want it to be in my yes, neighborhood I with do. a bell, guest welcome, doormat. I love that your church is in your neighborhood. Is. You're the only one in the whole church who has a church <laughs> in their neighborhood. Okay, go on. The jail. Okay, Move so um, this other story I want to tell from 16, I love this one. I just love that these are like, what this is, is somebody taking um, Paul's, I don't know why missionary I put my journal. feet together, um, missionary journal just like, like opening up a page and like this this one you know sometimes um jenny and i play this game with journals where we i'll tell her a date from my mission and hers or whatever her mission i'm like okay september 19th and she opens up to that page and reads what happened on september 19th and like or i'll do the she'll anyways it's super fun you try that with your family it'd be really fun Okay, but this one is, there's a jailer there. And what happens is Paul goes to prison for like the 98th time. Um, and he's in jail. And while they're in there, they've just been beaten. And the people come and they tell the jailer, do not let these people out no matter what. And they've been whipped. Um, but I love that they're just sitting in there after they've been whipped and they're chained. And verse 25, this is chapter 16. And at midnight, it's midnight, and Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Don't you love that? Like they are just like they could harmonize. They they had some pipes, and they just sang, even though they've just been beaten or in jail, and they are just praising Jesus in the jail, which I love. And then a great earthquake comes because the earth couldn't stand hearing them sing no more. <laughs> and everything shakes. And all of a sudden, all the doors of the prison are opened up. And all the jail, all the prisoners escape. They're like, yo, yo. You know? I love that everybody gets to get out. This is the best night ever. Not yeah. Just those just, I know. This is, this is gospel, y'all. <laughs> Jesus, right? We praise Jesus because he opens up the prison doors to us. So the jailer notices he was asleep because it's midnight. And he wakes up and all the people are gone. So he is going to take his own life with a sword because he's like, they're going to hang me. I might as well. And Paul and Silas are like, stop. We're here. We're all here. And they bring back all the prisoners. Don't you love that? Yes. He brings them back. He's like, y'all Don't come back yourself. to jail. Don't you know, he's like, we're here. We're here. We're here. Um, and everyone is just like, he, then he asks this question, verse 30, what do I need to do to be saved? And Paul must have read that story from the rich young ruler because he says, you believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your whole household. He hadn't even, he has not met this jailer. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's met him. He knows none of his story. Yeah. He knows none of his past. He doesn't know anything about his personality or his household. And he says, I promise you, whoever you are, wherever you've come from, you turn your life over to Jesus and you can be saved. And I love that on that very night, he takes him um, to his house um, and he washed their stripes, verse 33. He takes, don't you just love mm-hmm. this? This was this jailer, this like stern person who whipped them. And now the very person in charge of whipping them has, is now taking a wet rag and washing and putting bandages on where, they, where um, they've been beaten and was baptized right that very night. Remember, the earthquake happened at midnight, so this dude's getting baptized at like <laughs> at 3 a.m. You know? And you love not just him, but, but all that were his, right? His whole household also is like, okay. 
And, and then in verse 36, he sends them off in peace. He's like, listen, I'll take care of everything else. I want you to go. And and this is, I, I love this. We should just jump into this um, this section right here, Acts yeah, 17. Which is, I just love in this one, this is another story that you can read about them just preaching and talking to people. But in um, verse 4 and 12, you get a repeated phrase. This is Acts 17. And you oh, love and four. I have to jump so in here. You... I have to actually jump in in both because one of the reasons why I love the story of Lydia is because I am a woman. I really love looking at the places in scripture that mention women. And we are going to see here a lot of people joining the church. And I love that whoever is writing and keeping notes and, and putting all this down is so careful to mention how many women are involved. We met Lydia. We're going to read in verse 4. It tells us, And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. And I just love that, that there were chief women there, and they came, and they joined, and it wasn't just a few. It was all of these. And then it's going to tell us again um, in verse 12, Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. Again, and we just love the thought of this, that you just feel the gospel spreading right now. You feel the kingdom being built. Um, and it's not just a few who are coming, but it's all these people. Um, and you love that one. Yeah, I love six. in verse 6 when it says that... Um, yeah, this is so good. It says, When they found them not, they drew in Jason, who you've already met in another chapter, and other brethren and rulers cities crying, saying, These have turned the world upside down. And I think it's being told right there in a negative sense, but I, I really love that. It's mm -hmm. like the preaching of the word. When somebody has Jesus enter into their life, it just turns their whole world upside down. It turns a jailer into a healer. It, it, like, mm -hmm. he just is... And you would expect that. God is so big and so present that if he comes into your world, he is going to turn, it's like bringing an elephant into your living room. Like it is going to rearrange the furniture. Yeah. Like it just turns everything upside mm -hmm. down. And, and this is just neat because these are just a handful. Like um, a, a, the honorable women, not a few. Yeah. And don't you want the story of every single one yes, of these people? So bad. What changes yeah. in their life happened? Like what? All those things, yeah. which are so neat. So good. And we want to end on Paul. Um, and we've got a lot of verses here that we're going to let you like and it's um, Look through. chapter 20, and you are going to die over it. It is seriously one of the best Paul stories. There's three really good Paul stories in a row right now. We're going to tell one right now and two next week. Um, they are some of, hands down, our favorite. He's preaching. He's come. Um, after this uproar, it tells us in verse 20, he comes, and he's going to go into Macedonia. And then he goes into Greece, and he stays there for three months. And um, then he goes to Tros, and he's, he's just traveling. And then um, he comes, and he's getting ready. He's been here, and he's been teaching. And it tells us he continued his speech until midnight. And as we get into this chapter, here's what we want you to be watching for. And as you're writing in this book, Paul is going to show us what it looks like to keep back nothing. Um, and this chapter just spells it out so clearly for us. And so here we have Paul. He's getting ready to leave these people. Um, he's going to go away from them for a time. And clear up into the very last minute, he's just going to give them his entire heart. So on that night, he continues his speech until midnight. 
And there were a lot of lights in the upper chamber, and everyone had gathered together. And in verse 9, it tells this us... This is my most justifiable <laughs> Should you verse. tell this part? I'll pick back right? up. Okay. okay, you tell There me. is a young man in the window. His name is Eutychus. And Paul is just preaching and preaching and preaching. We've all been in church when someone's <laughs> gone over the hour, right? And he falls asleep and falls out the window and the dies. The third floor. <laughs> the third floor window, everyone. And he Listen, dies. And he dies. So listen, if you fall asleep in church, that's okay, right? Um, and Paul runs down the stairs and just embraces, grabs his body and raises and, him from the dead. And you love that he says to everyone, everyone, don't worry. Don't, how many people are like looking out the window like, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't worry. Don't worry. He tells him, trouble not yourself. He's just, uh, his life is in him. He's, He's going to be, be fine. fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. Jinx. <laughs> and, um, so then they Wait, came... and you love 12. They brought the young man alive, and they were not a little comforted. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you think? It's and like, also, don't you they know were just like, <laughs> that they come upstairs and break bread and eat, and they talk a long while. I mean, This Paul, kid just fell out a window. Yeah, He's just like, just soaking the whole thing up. He's like, here, you come sit by me. That is, I'll hold on to you, right? Yeah. We're going to keep going. And, it's dangerous. Um, then he goes to Ephesus, and um, he says this in verse 18. When they were come to him, he said unto them, and then, oh, you love this verse so much. I want anyone who has served a mission, I just, I want you to think about those 18 months or those two years or however many months you were there and you served and you gave your heart. And he says to the people, you know from the first day that I came here, after what manner I have been here, been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. And then in verse 20, he says, and how I kept back nothing. And he talks about how he went from house to house and um, that he was about to leave. He's going to go to Jerusalem and he tells him, I don't know what is going to happen to me when I get there. I just, I don't know. I may never be back, he tells him. Um, but in verse 24, he says, um, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. That is what I want to do. I'm just going to testify of God's grace until the very end. That's what is going to bring me joy. And he says, um, that you, um, I know you all, among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God, and you're not going to see my face anymore. And he kind of warns him what's going to happen and um, tells him what he's done there. And then I love when he says at the very end, um, in verse 36, and when he had thus spoken, part. he kneeled down and he prayed with all of them. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they would see his face no more. And I just think it is so awesome to think of that missionary experience and how he talks about, I went from house to house and I taught all through the hours of the night, right? We saw him do it and through the day. And sometimes I taught with tears and I just, I kept back nothing. Like right. I gave everything I was to bearing my testimony of Jesus and of his grace and of his love. And there is nothing that could, make my my life better yeah. than just to do that that's what brings me joy and as you think about your mission experience whatever that experience was and hopefully as you are watching this today maybe someone is with you who had the opportunity to serve a mission um, or or maybe there is one someone in your family you could call 
who served a mission, I think it would be so awesome to say to that person, tell me about a time on your mission when you kept back nothing. Mm. Just tell me about what did that look like and what did it feel like? And I would love to hear from each of our kids who served missions, what, what was that moment? If you had to look at that experience, what was that moment where you kept back nothing in right. testifying of Jesus Christ and who he was? Um, and, what, and the thing I love about that phrase is it goes on when he says, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. You know, and one of the reasons I know that Paul served successful missions is because of that goodbye at the ship. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, I didn't come to do missionary work. I came to love people. That's what the work actually is. You know, and to see that, you know, them hug and love each mm-hmm. other so much and pray with each other just shows you, man, he did it right. Mm-hmm. Because I kept back nothing. And that means like I loved the people with my whole heart. I love God and I loved people and I just, and, and it was imperfect and it was messy. Mm-hmm. And like I, some of my best prayers on my mission and in my life have been just ones that have been like, Heavenly Father, I gave everything. I tried. I, I knew it wasn't perfect. I, I killed a kid in church because I talked too long. Like, <laughs> I, but me, I, I thought that was you. I'm like, you did? <laughs> you no, know, but just like, you know, like I just, but I, I tried to love the way you would love, and I didn't hold back my heart one bit. I mm-hmm. just let it. I let it all out. I put it all on the on the you know on the altar, mm-hmm. and I just love that. It was what he kept back. What he didn't keep back was love. Yeah, you know? and it reminds me just, and maybe we can close on this. When Josh was on his mission, we got an email one time. You'll remember this. It was so funny. I got this email and the subject was like, mom, don't read this. And then you get in there and it says, I got hit by a car this week. That was the first line. And I remember my first thought was, should they call home if someone gets hit by a car? (laughs) Don't you think they should just be like, by the way, your child got hit by a car on his mission. And my advice to Josh was to not tell those things to his mother when he left. And you love that before Josh went on his mission, he was actually given a blessing by our state president. He is a diabetic, everyone who knows that story. And he was blessed that he would be able to work every day of his mission. And I'm not kidding you, as a mom, I clung to that promise. I trusted it. And um, so he talked about on this day, he had just gotten a new boy, had just come from the MTC that morning. They had come home, they had gotten their bikes, they started on their way, they were going down the street just normal as every day. And this cute lady was driving out and she didn't realize there was a stop sign where there was a stop sign. And so she just kept coming and she just ran smack over Josh and crashed into him and his handlebars went into his stomach. Oh, that was the grossest picture. And he we put says, that in the newsletter. Yes, I did, remember? And he says this little line in there that says, it is not true, by the way, when people get hit by cars on the television that they get up and walk away. You roll on the ground for a minute, writhing in pain, and then you drag yourself over to the grass, he says. And um, so an ambulance came, they checked him out, Um, his knee was a little bit hurt, and they bandaged up his stomach, and then they told him just to make an appointment to go see a doctor later that week, and he and his companion went back in the house, and he was like, I I was having a hard time walking because of my knee. But I thought about this poor kid who had just come out on his mission, 
And and he was just shaking. That kid, I mean, it was his first day. Can you imagine your first day? Your companion gets hit by a car. How's that going? And Josh was like, I just thought to myself, you know what? I'm just gonna put on another white shirt that doesn't have blood on it, and we, I gotta get that kid back out there. That is what I gotta do. I just gotta get him back out there. And he said, as I got on my bike and started to ride, I remembered the blessing I had been given by President Lou, that I would be blessed to work every day of my mission. And he did. They they were they went out. They worked that whole day and um, did some good in the world. And you know, I think of that story about what it looks like to keep back nothing. And sometimes it means ride around on the ground in pain for a minute and drag yourself army style over to the grass and then get back up on that bike, and and just go again. Right? He, Josh was so wor- more worried about that cute boy in his first day than um, what was going on with his belly or his knee. Yeah. Right? That, he's going to work through it. And, and that's, that is the heart of that story. Mm-hmm. It's just like what motivated him to get up and hold back nothing was his companion. Yeah. Right. Just making sure love. that that kid had a good first day. And I think that is true. It's just the love. It's, you know, it's these bracelets that we wear. You've probably seen us. Those of you who've been with us for a long time, we love these bracelets. Um, from a man who talked about, he wore a bracelet his whole life, what would Jesus do? And then one day he thought, you know, I never even asked myself that question and the important moments. Um, so I just need to decide right now, what would Jesus do? And he decided he would love first. And he just put it on a little bracelet. He would love first. And um, we wear these, you'll see them in every single movie. It's just, and all of our kids wear them. And my cute grandson, Kingston, will not take his off even for a bath. He loves it so much. but. Just that reminder of that is the gospel. Love God and love people. And, and don't, don't hold keep back, back anything. Just give everything you are and yeah. have. So good. Okay. okay, hopefully that was shorter. We don't See know. See y'all next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.